0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at gopowercat.com. And I'm Michael Swain of fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good
1: evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive. Sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald to go powercat.com. The man across the studio covered in confetti is Michael Swain of fog.net. Michael, I had picked out a lovely crimson shirt to wear, and then I realized this is either the perfect week to wear it or it's not the perfect week, and I just went with the, uh, like, professor look today
0: i think that's great you should probably teach oklahoma something about clock management
1: yeah well i, I, I was late again so no <laughs> i'm not going to do that you can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show on twitter at the drive 13 and of course answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our twitter page and remember if you ever miss an episode of the drive you can listen to an audio only version that'll appear each monday morning in the form of a podcast at both go powercat.com and fog.net, and we start things off with our two-minute
0: drill. The first segment of the two-minute drill, sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Kansas State dominated Houston on Saturday, 41 to nothing. So Fitz, how did the Wildcats make their third straight victory look so easy? Uh, Well, let me tell you something. One of my core philosophies about the
1: Big 12, and it kind of spreads across all sports, when a warm-weather team comes north for the first time, and this was the first time Houston had played outside of the state of Texas this season. That's correct. Game 8 was their first trip out of Texas. And it was, uh, look, you might not think... 35 degrees or 40 degrees is that cold but there was a wind it was not pleasant and Houston did not want to play and that's been true through my experiences that when those teams come north they hit that cold weather they just don't want to hit they don't want to compete and Houston did not but Kansas State was also very efficient immediately scoring touchdowns. Will Howard just dominated this game uh, to the point where there's no doubt who's the starting quarterback now. Even the Avery Johnson fans are like, yeah, Will's Will's better. Uh, and K-State's defense was remarkable. They, I don't even think Houston got into the uh, red zone in the entire game, and they just kept Donovan Smith frustrated and <clears throat> pestered him and chased him. And It was a fun game for the fans to watch. Uh, but it was really chilly at the ball field. And a lot of people left, and I don't blame them because it was a boring game, and K-State was absolutely whooping it up. Just wrap your mind around this. They got themselves into a little tangle at Texas Tech three weeks ago. They fell behind 21-17, and from that point on to now, Kansas State has outscored its opponents 103-3. Of course, these last two home games have been 41-3, and 41 to nothing they have absolutely found a different gear with this team and it's not just the opponents they're blowing out teams that they should beat but not dominate to this level in the conference it's been crazy how efficient they've been playing and they need to be efficient michael because they're heading to texas on saturday to play what i think now is you know the best team in the conference as of right now We'll see if the Wildcats can do it. I'll talk about that a little bit later in the show.
0: What stands out to me most is you think about these teams, Big 12 play. You want to be playing your best football in this month coming up, in November. And it feels like K State started the season slow, but they've really figured some things out, and they are a well oiled machine heading into play Texas. I don't know what it
1: is about Chris Kleiman and this time of year, but this is when his team usually is pretty good. Last year they had the Oklahoma State and Baylor blowouts and back-to-back games. Well, Kansas knocked off Oklahoma 38-33 on Saturday to give Lance Leipold's KU program a statement win and the goalpost to swim. Michael, was that the oddest game
0: you have ever covered? Uh, yeah, I think so, Fitz. I mean, we could check off a lot of boxes here. You like quarterbacks throwing it to the other team? I've got you covered. Dylan Gabriel started the game. Uh, for Oklahoma, at least with the pick six to Melo Dotson, who didn't play much because he is banged up. And that play for me set the tone of this game. I think KU needed some weird things to happen to win. And that's exactly what took place. Then you look in the second half, right? Jason Bean throwing two interceptions that at the time you felt like were probably game changing, right? KU can't win games when they're turning the ball over twice in the fourth quarter. Just look two weeks ago to KU's trip to Stillwater. What happened there? But the weather delay. I think for me, this is where things really started to shift, where Oklahoma came out of this hour-long lightning delay, and they looked like the Oklahoma team that you expected to see, right? Dominating the trenches, running the ball really well. And then halftime came. And that for me is really the real point where things really shifted, where KU's defense came on really strong. Oklahoma had six drives in the second half, scored on two of them. For me, I think you look at the overall numbers, right? It's 33 points, over 400 yards of offense, over five and a half yards per play for Oklahoma, right? Not great, but when it mattered most, Cave's defense was there, and in the end, they put the offense in a position where they could go and make some plays. And and look, Jason Bean is not perfect, and you saw that on Saturday, but you have to give him credit for the resiliency he showed. I did not expect that final drive to go the way it did. I'm not sure many... KU fans did if they're being honest with you. You look at the body language, the, the reads that Jason Dean is making, especially on that second interception. Just a weird play. He threw it right to the other team when the guy was right in front of him. Just weird. But then on the final drive, when it counts, he finds Mason Fairchild, then finds Lawrence Arnold. Looks like a completely different quarterback, wipes everything away. And still in the final seconds, Oklahoma had a shot at the end zone. It was right in front of me, Fitz. Dylan Gabriel had a chance to make a big play. He couldn't he gets his biggest win in a long, long time.
1: It was, it was something else. And the, the fans were on the field. They deserved to celebrate. That was huge. I was texting with a friend uh, on Friday, I think, a KU fan. And I said, the thing about Bean is he's chaotic, which is great for a backup quarterback because he might come in and totally. completely disrupt the game. But over the course of a game, that chaos takes turns. And, and it did. I mean, there was just chaos, and it was like, okay, they're going to lose, and then
0: the chaos turned in their favor, and they won. It, it was crazy. You nailed it, right, Fitz? I think Jason Bean is a, that was a perfect encapsulation. There are great moments. He looks like a great quarterback. There are moments that make you scratch your head. It ended up where he had finished the game with one of those great moments. Ideal. All right, we are now entering the final month of this season, Fitz. I know this has gone quickly, it is. but. Which coaches do you feel deserve to be mentioned among the top candidates for Big 12 Coach of the Year?
1: Well, I'll start with Chris Kleiman, even though at this point, no, the probably answer is no, but if he finds a way to beat Texas and gets his team back to the championship game, um, maybe winning it, uh, that would be a great statement. But I'm gonna say Matt Campbell, because none of us expected this. We thought Iowa State would be bad, and then they had all the gambling things, the player suspension, including quarterback Hunter Deckers, they're dead in the water, right? No, they're at four and one right now in the conference. I think this has been Matt Campbell's best coaching job, even though they got off to a bad start. It took a while to get their feet under them. Um, he's not on the hot seat now. Uh, I think that was the famous quote from the fan that was chiding him. Uh, the hot seat has been turned off. Matt Campbell is doing a heck of a job, but there's other coaches in this
0: conference, aren't there? I'm a big fan of Mike Gundy. I'll tell you what, like with that quarterback, right, we know what Alan Bowman is, but to I think unleash this running back, Ollie Gordon, who, I mean, fits, might be the best player in the Big 12. He's been incredible. I think what they found with him has been so impressive. And I do like Matt Campbell. And I think Iowa State now is back where I think that program is healthiest. You know, I spent two years covering them. When they are the underdog, that is where they fit in because they can really embrace that role. It is when they are the favorites When I think it's a lot harder, when they've got a target on their back, when the likes of Oklahoma and Texas are getting up to play Iowa State, that's when things get a little dicey for them. But it's in these opportunities now when I think people like us talk about them early in the season and saying, this looks pretty bad. They use that as fuel. And so for Mm -hmm. me, I think you're right. I think Lance Leipold deserves a mention here. If Kansas does go on to win nine games, We'll see what happens with Jalen Daniels. But if Jason Bean is the quarterback for Kansas and they go on to win eight, nine games, he deserves mention. Because to do this with your backup quarterback, um, with a lot of returning production, right? Guys that have been here before, but aren't maybe the quote unquote stars that are going to play in the NFL. I think he deserves some mention, too. So I think those are the four guys that I think really should be at the top because they've done the best job of, I think, getting their team to play at the highest level.
1: Yep, I agree with all of that. Now a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by
0: Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. All right, Fitz, last week's question was, we are nearing the midway point of Big 12 play, so who will end up in the Big 12 championship? The combination of Texas and Oklahoma came in with 17%. Texas, but not Oklahoma, came in with 8%. The winner, Oklahoma, but not Texas, wins with 58. And then finally, neither Texas nor Oklahoma, 17%. Just one good
1: weekend of Big 12 football. We might be on track for D there. Mm. Here's this week's question. It's just what we discussed. In the final month of action, who should be the Big 12 coach of the year? We lifted, listed off your choices. A, Mike Gundy. B, Lance Leipold. C, Chris Kleiman. D,
0: Matt Campbell. Vote on our Twitter page at TheDrive13. All right, that will do it for the first half of the two-minute drill, but we'll be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive.
1: Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. And now it's time to continue our weekly two-minute drill. This segment of the two-minute drill sponsored by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for
0: more than 60 years. Kansas State has won three in a row, but if the Wildcats want to defend their Big 12 title, they will likely need to win at Texas this upcoming Saturday. So Fitz, I'll put it to you simply, can they do it? They
1: can, they're capable of it, and I think Quinn Ewers being injured really does open the door for Kansas State. Still, Texas is a matchup issue for everyone else in the Big 12, including Oklahoma. They just have a level of athletes that nobody else in the conference has, and you know, bigger, faster, stronger, but they're not necessarily a better team overall. They, they kind of just glide at times and don't look like they're fully invested in the game. Uh, we, we saw that last week when they struggled, but look they played a BYU team that isn't very good right now the quarterback play for the Cougars isn't very good and the backup quarterback that's playing for Texas is good Uh, you know I I like what Texas does but they are beatable but here's the problem there was a day when Kansas State kept sneaking up on Texas and beating them they beat Texas on a regular basis and Texas couldn't figure it out. Well, they finally decided to invest in the K-State game mentally and take it more seriously, and they've won like five straight in this series. So uh, I think this is a game K-State can win, and the way K-State is playing right now will win the game, but does that carry through for a third great game where they're really dominant for an entire game? Because it's gonna take that type of performance. Gonna have to stymie the run game, they're gonna have to contain the quarterback, and they're gonna to have to make some big plays on offense because this Texas team is for real. They have playoff-type talent. They beat Alabama, but they also let up off the gas. They lose their focus, and they lose games like they did to Oklahoma, a team that honestly I don't think is very good. I think they're okay, and that win over Texas showed they have a, a high gear that they can find. But they also have played nobody heading into Lawrence, and they lost, and I think it may not be their last loss of the season. Problem here is K-State loses this game. They've got two losses. And even if someone beats Texas later on, they lose the tiebreaker. Winning at Texas really is an important thing for K-State to do. If they want to return to Arlington, then they go, they've go. they got Baylor in Manhattan. A huge game. What's going to be a blast in Lawrenceville, Kansas. And then they shut it down for the regular season with Iowa State coming in. Mm. So every week's an adventure in this conference. you got to come to play, Michael.
0: You really do, and I think you're right, Fitz. I think so much of college football is timing of injuries, and I think K-State's getting a little fortunate here that Quinn Ewers isn't able to play. But look, yep. this Texas team is much more than Quinn Ewers. They are incredibly talented. Yep. So if K-State does win this game, they all fully deserved it. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to it, even though I won't be
1: there in person. Hmm. KU defeated a top-ten team for the first time since 2008, and first time during the regular season since 1995. Michael, just how big is this win for KU, and what will the impact be on the program?
0: Yeah, Fitz, it's huge, and I think you look at what Kansas has done under Lance Leipold. This is the marquee win. That's easy, and it definitely goes over that Texas win in 2021, but I think you have to take into account too the circumstances. Big Noon Kickoff spent two hours talking about the Kansas program before this game. I'll talk about the decision to move the game off of Fox later. But for this specific game, to beat Oklahoma in the way that Kansas did, where they looked like they belonged, in the trenches, they held their own. This wasn't a... Um fluky game, there were fluke moments, but I think this is a game where Kansas deserved to win. And to do it in front of 70 recruits, about 20 of which hold offers from Kansas, and a lot of them are on the local front. And Kansas is doing more on the local recruiting front. They're putting a lot more effort in and resources in than any coaching staff has in the last 10 years. So to have that performance against Oklahoma that recruits this state so well is going to bode very positive for the recruiting trail where players are going to notice that and they're going to see that, hey, if you go to Kansas, you'll be able to play on big stages. You'll also be able to be put in a position to make big plays. Now, in the immediate future, I look at bowl eligibility here being a huge factor. Kansas is now bowl eligible for back-to-back seasons for just the second time in program history. Lance Lapold once described it to me as a uh, a cycle where having a bowl game to prepare for means there's not a huge two month gap where players are done with football at the end of November and they don't get back on campus until the end of January. That's a long time without lifting or without football and the bowl game gives KU another chance to continue playing, to continue preparing, get younger players reps and all of this feeds into itself, Fitz, where this program that Lance Eipel describes as being one that's going to develop high school talent. Well. How do you develop talent through practice and so they're going to get a bunch more time to practice a bunch more time to get recruits on campus to see what is going on in lawrence so overall i think a look at this game and this win it's a perfect time for kansas considering um, what is going on this season with ku and i think it's going to be really positive going forward
1: yeah it uh it's impressive and it kind of strikes me that <clears throat> Bill Snyder's program turned the corner by starting to beat Oklahoma, too. It, it is a, a step on the ladder that you got to clear if you want to be at the top of the conference. It's been that way for a long time. And now we step out of bounds, and out of bounds is brought to you by Daris Corner Market. We love local, and we are local for you. Well, the World Series between the Arizona Dima, Diamondbacks and Texas Rangers is underway. I don't know if you know that. Does America
0: care, Michael? Should America care about baseball at this point? Yes, it should. I don't know if America cares. Like, no. I've got a friend that's a Rangers fan, so I'm getting cool. texts about it all the time, but I've not watched it out. And I love baseball. Like, I'm a Giants fan. I'm all about playoff baseball, but something about the Rangers and Diamondbacks doesn't really get me going. If it feels Philadelphia, maybe, because I think that's a very passionate sports town, but I don't know if America's getting up for it. And I'd love to see what the ratings look like here at the end of the series.
1: I think the financial inequities in baseball are really yeah. coming back to haunt it, uh, but also the inequities in exposure, because. Um, if you're the white or the Red Sox and Yankees, you're on. Every time you play each other, you're on, and there's just a huge advantage. And the kind of it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of only so many people, only people want to watch these games. Well, it's the only games you show. So once two teams like this are in the World Series, America's like, who? We haven't seen them all year, and they're the best teams. It's uh, baseball is its own worst enemy. Well, now let's hear from our fans. Our fan question is sponsored by Metalark Retirement Awaits in Manhattan, where you can live your way every day here's our fan question okay fellas did you expect the big 12's newcomers to be this bad thank you Sid and Talana no I thought they'd be towards the bottom I thought UCF would be more competitive Mm. BYU maybe a little better but they're
0: bad they're all bad yeah i thought byu would actually be better because i felt like the trenches is where these teams that are coming from the g5 or the power five level have to take time to recruit right. i thought byu would be there in the trenches and have the quarterback play with keaton Slovis to do it uh, they've not been able to i think ucf i kind of saw this one coming and it's pretty fun to watch the, that fan base uh get humbled a little bit
1: yeah i mean it's it's brutal to watch them right now they're if they play each other they'll win someone will win someone it's happened to. once Yeah. Uh, Remember to ask your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13.
0: When we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com.
1: Well, it is time to head down that home stretch of this week's show. Now let's look at our predictions. I don't want to. Predictions are brought to you by Kites, meeting your friends at Kites since 1954. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page, at The Drive 13. We're going to look at last week's results. Now, folks, I want you to remember that Vince was in here. Our good friend Vince was in here. I told Vince you to pick. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> we go through our picks before we go on and decide who we're going to pick. And Bench changes his picks and gets every game right for Michael.
0: I love it. <clears> changes his it.
1: picks on the fly. I have to change mine because there was one we were 50 I Look at this. Michael's in the lead. I'm depressed. I'm just depressed. I don't know what happened. Here's this week's picks. Let's start off with k-state at texas texas is a six and a half point favorite at home the fact that it's down to that says a lot i i like the points here i'll take you know k-state not losing
0: by more than seven points or six and a half i'll take texas at home covering that six and a half number um let's go to iowa state next where ku travels to ames we've got as a pick them Look, it's a night game in Ames. I'm not picking against Iowa State in this situation. Give me the Cyclones in this one. I'm a being believer now. I'm I'm
1: going with KU. Okay. Uh, I don't know what I just did. Uh, And our last game of the week is, of course, Bedlam, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma always wins this game, and they're a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Michael? Give me Oklahoma. I think they'll be playing mad after choking the game against KU. I'm going to go with... Oklahoma State, I think they're playing really good football. I mean, that running game yeah. they now have uh, is pretty impressive. I don't think Oklahoma's that good. If Oklahoma State and K-State both win, we could be on course for a non-OUUT championship game. Those two teams will be in the driver's seat. Amazing. Again, make your picks on our Twitter page, at Drive 13 And now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One. Buy local for a strong local community. We start with Michael Swain of Fog.net.
0: Fitz, I'll keep this one quick. I want to talk about TV networks. Uh, Fox, in about two minutes left in the third quarter during Saturday's game, made the decision they wanted to put Oregon and Utah on Fox instead of a game that KU was leading and oklahoma had the ball in ku territory looking like they're about to go take the lead and they decided to go to oregon utah which put people like myself who recorded the game uh out of luck because at that point in time you can no longer watch the rest of the ku game so if you're going to look back and see the end of the game try and watch some film you can't it's terrible for the consumer it's a silly thing that they did because it ended up being a blowout anyway with oregon winning so total waste of time and a joke move from fox to do that when a game that was clearly trending towards being an exciting finish. Did they did they put it on FS2 or anything? They put it on Fox Sports 1. Okay. So if you recorded it, you're kind of out of yeah, luck unless absolutely. you're in the region. Uh, at
1: least they kept showing it. Uh, I'll just stick with this topic. Fox is a, a major media rights holder for this conference, for the Big Ten, for other conferences, and they often don't send announcers to the games. Hmm. They regularly send have remote announcers that do multiple games in a day and they're ill-prepared. I don't understand why a network would invest this much money in a product like college football and then not take more pride in its product. Furthermore, I'm a little baffled why ESPN would send the Longhorn Network anchor to cover the K-State game the week before K-State plays Texas. And by the way, if you don't know this, those announcers get private sessions with the head coaches and coordinators to talk about game plans. The guy basically works for the University of Texas. Networks are just strange and I don't get it, Michael. I don't understand some of the stuff they do, but they have the money and we have to play their game. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here. I won't be here and all week on social media